Good morning. Why don't you turn to someone and say, The Lord's favor is upon you. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know what? There's healing in this place. There's healing in this place. Amen. Why do I say that? Last yesterday, I had a long day, so I was up on my feet quite a bit. And then uh, yesterday night, uh, my ankle starts to sore, you know, pain. So I, normally I can't stand or walk too long. Um, and this morning I woke up, oh, I was limping already. Limping to get to my car. And then when I came, reached the church, parking lot, stepped down from my car, it's limping. So I said, oh God, you know, I'm gonna, I don't want to walk up on stage limping. <laughs> So I stepped in, then I went up to the office. Then when I stepped into the sanctuary just now, I just realized, eh, I'm not limping. You know, the ankle wasn't sore anymore. You know, the pain was gone, and so I can walk properly. <laughs> Praise God. That's why it says healing in this place. Amen? Yeah, when God has a role for you to play, you know, I'm supposed to preach, God will enable you. And so that you can really just focus on your preaching, on the Word of God. Amen? Hallelujah. So believe it, God has something in store for you, you know, and uh, He knows your need. You know, at the right time, what He needs to do for you. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to share with you, you know, uh, um, thank Pastor Evening for talking about, you know, reaching out to the community. And that's exactly what I would like to speak to you about today. But before that, let me tell you a story. Now, this something happened in Sri Lanka. And, now, and, and so happened, you know, this morning as I stepped in, I met our Sri Lankan brother and sis, brothers and sisters right at the back there. And I just remember, hey, let me just confirm that story with them. And they said, yes, it, it really, that, that really happened, okay? And so uh, I did not make it up. Year 2004. Right in 2004, but before that, let's just pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share your word. And Father, I pray that God, your word will be spoken forth. And Lord, it shall accomplish its purpose. And Lord, may hearts be open to you. And God, may you stir. Like our song, the, the, the worship, during the worship time, the Lord, you stir our heart, stir our soul. That God, you will respond to you. We say yes when you call us. So I pray that God, you anoint your word today, and uh, use me, Lord, for your purposes today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in the year 2004, what happened was there was widespread attacks on Christians and churches in Sri Lanka, especially in places where many have come to know Christ and uh, they converted to Christianity, right? Um, as Christian leaders discuss uh, what happened, and so one concern it came up that people disengage from their community after they became Christians. Okay, this is what they, they, they studied, they analyzed, and they found that this is one concern. And one past, pastor actually noted that uh, when people become Christian, they immediately became bad neighbors. Wow. This is a rather strong statement, yeah? So, 
You see, what happened was earlier they participated in community activities, but once they became involved in Christian activities, they don't have time for the community. I'm not saying that church activities don't after today. So far, I give up all my church activities and then go involved because I want to be involved in community. No, I'm saying that. But when you disengage like that, then something is not right. So there were... So what happened was there were a lot of, new, you know, when rumors and gossip got around, there were a lot of numerous uh, false stories about being spread about Christians and things like that. And so because people have minimal contact with the community, uh, with the Christians themselves, they had no way to, to, to prove whether these false impressions, these false stories are actually false. See, that's what happened. And so... Church, this social disengagement contradicts the call for Christians made by Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 5. Okay, let's turn to Matthew 5 today. And this is what Jesus actually said this. Basically against social disengagement from our community. This is what he said in Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 to 16. He said this, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people like the lamb and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Right. And I actually heard a real story. Said, why did you talk about the salt? Huh? So when, why is it's no longer salty? When it's no longer, it's, it's just useless. So it'll be thrown out. And so why is it thrown out? So in Israel, something like that, what happened is in Israel, because of the snow, it's down there, snow, the kind of thing, and so they throw out actually to make the path easier to walk. Okay, so in what sense, it's lost its saltiness, it's no use for, 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 you know, but it's just been thrown out just like that. And so it really happened in a sense. And so here it says, you are to be the salt of the earth and light of the world. So whatever that implies, we will come to that. You know, yes, as Christians, we are to reject a lot of what we see in the world. We are not to take it in. We are not to assimilate it, all right? Um, because we cannot bear effective witness for Christ unless we engage with the community that we, in which we live. Jesus said in John 17, verse 15 to 18, he said this, I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Jesus was praying for the, for, for the believers. But then you keep them from the evil one. But notice it says here, let me go back to the beginning of the verse. I do not ask that you take them out of the world. Yeah. But then you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. So sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world... So I have sent them into the world. 
God that you have been sent into the world. God never intended us to be disengaged from the world. Just as Jesus has prayed in this passage in John 17, we are to be in this world, though not of this world. That means not of this world means you are not worldly, you're not like the world, no difference from the world. But you are in this world for a purpose, it's because God has sent you into this world. But don't be of the world. Right? Don't be of the world. We are to be in this world, surely, for a purpose. And that is about the Great Commission. Right? Our church is a church, I hope it's been shared, that we are the missional church. Okay? Missional church, really, about the Great Commission. We have a mission and, to, and, and I'm glad when I came to this church, I see how much the church, this church is involved with the community, how much engaged it is with the community. Uh, there are such initiatives like SAGE, you know, every month, 100 plus uh, senior citizens coming. And there's also, I think, Life Care, Bumblebee, yeah, Bumblebee, we're talking about that. There's food bank, you know, the charity sale. And of course, if you consider the mission work that we do, Orang Asli's, uh, and of course, latest is the counseling. So I'm so glad that we are engaged in this world. And even there's some members who have started an NGO called Susubi, yeah? Subang, Sunway, and beyond. Wow, this is fantastic. You know, lots of initiatives to engage with the community. And so as I will conclude to the, uh, this series about being committed to the church, it's not really talking about, uh, yeah, I need to be committed to the church, serve the church, uh, uh, give our tithes, you know, and things like that, and come and attend and, and support and all that. Yeah, there's, there's all that about being committed to the church. Um, but when you talk about to be connected to the church, it's all about being connected to all that the church stands for and believe in. Right? When you come to this church, you are attending. And so when you are attending regularly, you are part of this family. You are part of this church. So all that it stands to be connected to be this church is believe in and, and really lift up the vision, the missions of what this church is all about. And so to be actively aligned to that. And that is important, to be committed to this church. And one big thing that Subang Ajaya Assembly believes in is God's cause. It's all about God's cause. And God's cause is about bringing the salvation message to the lost and to the world. Get as many people saves, saved as possible before the end comes. So you cannot be connected to the church uh, without you being aligned to this cause that this church believed in. If we believe in the Great Commission to share the gospel, would you believe that as well? If you are part of this church, you got to believe in it. If you are part of this church. No two ways about it. And so I titled my message today as Connected to Reach the Community. Connected to Reach the Community. Um, it's about being connected, being committed together as a church to connect with our community and to bring about this positive change to the community that we live with the message of God's love 
through our actions, our outreach, and also intercession, and also serving the community. Now, church, you you got to believe that our lives have a cost. Our lives have a cost. Our lives fulfill a purpose. Amen? And um, our lives are not random, right? Not random. Our lives are not random. Before we begin to be Christians, we are, our lives are random. Why? Because there's no direction. There's no purpose. But now we are Christians, our lives are no longer random because we have a God's cause to follow. And so there's one direction. That direction is heavenward. Now before we get to heaven, there is a direction here on this earth. And to follow that, to be the salt and light. And our cause, therefore, is to win the lost and make disciples. This is the ministry that we all share in this church. And whatever your gifting may be, just on the song say, even if the gifting is small, just come to the Father. Whatever your gifting may be, this is the ministry that we share, the ministry of reconciliation, to reconcile a lost world to a loving God. And how can we reconcile a lost world if we don't go out into the world? This is our cause. So community engagement is a strategy, is a key strategy of our church to reaching out to the lost. And therefore, you've got to bring the church into the community in order to bring the community into the church. You got that? I think there's something else like Bring the church into the community in order to bring the community into the church. So you got to go out first. So where is our community? We are here as a church, there's one community. We are the religious community, spiritual community. But a common definition of community is basically about a group of people with diverse backgrounds, characteristics, which are linked by social ties, share common perspectives, engage in joint action. Uh, it can be the geographical locations or in the virtual space. Yeah? Like, I'm sure you are in a lot of communities in WhatsApp, Telegram, Instagram, WeChat, Facebook. So, as the definition implies, there are many communities out there, all right? Um, and so what other communities are you finding yourself into? It could be health and hobbies, what about uh, badminton? You're in a badminton community? Or cycling? Or um, what else? Huh? Yeah, foodie. <laughs> Uh, there's also, uh, what they call it, uh, uh, what's that, that, that community they call it, uh, jogging one, uh, or trekking community, Hash House Harriers, yeah? 
Ah, so another community, trekking, gardening also. I think in Subang Jaya or in PJ, there's a lot of community gardens. Yes, so, huh? <laughs> and so, of course, come to foodie, lah, huh? food, food community. I mean, I'm in a few foodie, Facebook foodie groups. <laughs> uh, cooking, of course, in our own taman, huh? neighborhood. Gated condo communities. Then there's others like parenthood, uh, full-time fathers, something like that. So there's a lot of communities, you know, communities that, and these communities that you are in are your mission field. Even though you've chose, you know, to be in those communities, but see in the different lights in that. You happen to be. You didn't happen to be just in that, those communities by chance, but God is just using you for that community. So, your cycling community is not my community, because I don't cycle. I know how to cycle, but it's, I don't. I don't go cycling that much. Just as the same thing is, my Taman community is not your Taman community. Right, so we have our own communities. So what happened is, what is most important for you to realize what and where your communities are because these are your mission fields. Amen? Amen. So let's come to what is the meaning of the salt and light of the community. You are to be the salt and light of your community. Let's go back to the scripture verse again, Matthew chapter 5. And so here we see that in this passage, I'm not going to read that again. You can just uh, go glance through again. But here Jesus is saying that in no uncertain terms that we are to be the salt of the earth and light of the world. So when Jesus told you to be salt and light, he is not referring to your relationships in this church. You got to get that, you know. <laughs> Salt and light. Yeah, of course, we got to uh, really influence our own you know, community, our, our family, spiritual family, help each other to grow, things like that. Huh? But here in this passage, it's really about others out there in the world, not the church community. So you are to be the salt and light. You can't say, oh, I, I influence my, my cell group members, so I'm salt and light to them. No, not exactly. There are other Bible verses may talk about that, but not in this passage. This passage is really about out there, the world, salt and light in the world, not in about in the church. So it's very specific. So it's telling about how you ought to relate to the world, how your relationships with the world must be. Right? Because your community is your world. Your communities are your world. So Jesus is telling us to be salt and light to your badminton groups, to your food groups, uh, neighborhood, universities, workplace, communities. Right? And how, basically how to reach those communities that you find yourself in. John Stott, right, a famous author, he said this, the world is like rotting meat. But you are to be the world's salt. The world is like a dark night. 
but you are to be the world's light. This is the fundamental difference between the Christian and the non-Christian, the church and the world. But sometimes there's no difference. <laughs> In some how Christians behave and, and, and talk, there's no difference. But this is supposed to be the fundamental difference, to be the salt and light. Where there's rotting, where there's no light. So to be the salt of the earth. See, salt has two purposes. Yep. Firstly, salt can be used to preserve food from rotting. Okay, that we all know. Salted fish, salted eggs. Yeah, so they use salt. So as salt of the earth, therefore, if we are to be the salt of the earth, when you talk about preservative, believers in Christ are to be the preservatives of the world. We preserve the world from rotting. Basically from rotting from what? From the evil that is inherent, the values, the evil values that is rotting the world. Right? With our own Christian values and actions. So the second thing about salt is it's been used as flavor enhancer. Right? Yeah, so in the same way that salt enhances the flavor of the food that is seasons, the followers of Christ are to stand out to who and enhance the flavor of the world. Flavor of life in this world. So Christians, as you are living under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and in obedience to Christ, will inevitably, if you are, if you are under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and in your obedience to Christ, you will influence the world for the good. You will have the positive influence. You know, try eating food without salt. How many of you eat food without salt? No, my neighbor does. He ate food without salt. He said, no salt. I don't know how to eat food without salt. You know, uh, my mom, she cooks. Uh, she has to cook, and then uh, because of her high blood pressure, so she reduces salt. Uh, so just by a bit of salt, it, to me, the food is bland already. You know, for me, is yeah, how to eat, uh? I eat to live, but I also live to eat. <laughs> so, if we don't, so, see, you got to flavor the world with the good that's in you from when after you come to know Christ. You are not to add to the uh, to what is rotting. What is you know the you got to enhance the world. With who you are as a Christian. Yeah, this is a function of being sought. What about light? In the analogy of light to the world, basically you are say, we are saying that the good works of Christians, of Christ's followers, are to shine for all to see. Your good works, right? The passage says your good works can be seen by the world. And then, of course, they will glorify the Father in heaven. 
So are there any good works that you can you are, you are doing that people can see? Right? So in, in, in verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world, and a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people like a lamp and put it under the bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand. Right? You put it on the bowl, you basically cover it up. You can't see. It gives light. When you put it on the stand, it gives light to everyone in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your goodness and glorify your Father in heaven. So the presence of Christians in this world must be like a light in the darkness, in the sense that our goodness must be evident for all to see. Of course, the question comes is, are there any goodness that others can see? If there are no goodness that others can see, then your light is not shining. There's no light to shine. You got that? So, and our motivation, therefore, must be to have people glorify God through us or because of us. So when they see us as Christians, would they say, wow, your God is like that? Or they will say, wow, your God is like that. You see the difference? <laughs> I, hope you so, I hope you do. Um, yeah, so people will see in your communities, when you are in those communities, people will see you as, as, as a Christian and will look, then will look at God in a positive light and be drawn to the conclude, wow, this God that they believe in must be a good God. Yeah? So this question is, do you have the motivation for your God to be glorified by people in your communities. When you're in the community, community, is, is there intention within your authority, within you say, hey, I want to glorify God in this community. And so who I am, what I do, what I say, will glorify God. People will look at me, they know that I'm a Christian. And so when I, when I, what I do, what I say, will actually cause them Say, wow, this is a great, this is a, you know, they can be saying thing. you are a good Christian. And the moment they say you're a good Christian, basically they are actually glorifying the Father. Yep. Or are you wasting your opportunities in this world, in this community, to be sought and liked? Right? So you have to be sought, you have to be liked. Now, we talk about engaging the community. How do we engage the community? And when before we talk about the engaging community, these are some of the things that we need to remember when we are engaging the community. First of all, watch your testimony. Watch your testimony. This is perhaps the first line of action that we need to take of our lives before anything else. And the fact is, the reality is, many Christians fail in doing this. Bad testimonies. I'm sure you have a fair share of Christians coming, you know, come across Christians in your life that has a bad testimony. I have. If I were to look at it you know, and follow and, and, and attribute that to, the, to God, I would have given up my faith a long time ago. And in a line of work, I, will have, I have met many Christians that <laughs> wonder why they are Christians. 
bad testimonies. Have you been turned off by Christians? Hmm? I see he's been nodding. Yeah. You could have been stumbled, right? But because of your faith is strong, that's why you're not stumbled. I know I still do do get uh, stumbled, but not say stumbled, but with bad te- testimony, Christians. But remember this, you know, when talk about watching your testimony in Second Corinthians chapter three, verse two to three. Paul tells the Corinthian church, the Corinthian believers, say, "You yourselves." Are our letter. What it means by that? You yourselves are our, our, our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, not written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the Living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So what we are seeing here is even Jesus and the other writers in the New Testament, they always exalted the believers to bear a good testimony wherever they are. Very important. They are just letters that other people can read. Open letters. Yeah? And so in whatever circumstances, we are to be good testimonies because that will showcase who God is in our lives. Yeah, and so even if you never say the word, you are actually sharing your testimony by what you do and the way you live. You don't have to say a single thing. You don't have to declare so-called "I'm a Christian," but the way what you do and how you live, you are already sharing your testimony. So, is that a good testimony or a bad testimony? And you cannot claim to be a disciple of God if you have a lousy or a bad testimony. And if I were to put it strongly, is it? If you have a bad testimony, you basically dishonor the name of Christ. Note this, remember this people are watching you every day, all the time. Especially if they know you are a Christian. If they don't know you are a Christian, that's, that's something <laughs> wrong also. Last time I used to joke, joke with my youth. Hey, when you go to school, uh, you say grace for your food. Uh. You go to the canteen, uh, school canteen, do you say grace? You bow your heads, pray, and pray over your food. Uh. <laughs> Some of them say no. Then I said, why not? Why? You're so afraid to let your friends know that you are a Christian. You know, small, small little things like this. We're afraid to... Uh, I got a friend before tell me, telling me, hey, I better not stick any stickers behind my car, you know, that shows that I'm a Christian. Because if I stick it here, then I will be very careful how I drive, what I do, the kind of thing. So that means you don't have the sticker, you can anyhow drive, So, strange, huh? Strange the way we think sometimes. (laughs) But people are watching you as you navigate each day. And your life is sending a message to all those around you all the time. All the time. Even if 
to those who are not Christians in your own families that you live under the same roof. They're watching you all the time. So watch your testimony. Secondly, watch your influence. You see, the social media world is very big. And it's very big on social influencers. Yeah? There are many social influencers. They have tens of thousands of, of followers. The more followers they get, the, you know, the more influential they become. So anything the, the social influencer did, you know, wow, it's kind of like create an earthquake. You know? There's one guy who's a social influencer in the in, in, uh, States. One fine day he announced on his uh, social media, I'm giving out a free gift in this particular street. You know what happens next? Wow, all his followers flock you know, to the street and in the end, uh, just to get the, the, the free gift, the kind of thing, they created a riot. That's the power of influence. Just one word, okay? So, social media, very big uh, about this. And there are many categories of influences on social media, right? But when we talk about the influencing here, it's not about talking about a negative influence, but positive influencing. So, are you a positive and godly influencer? God wants you to be. You know, you're encouraged to exert positive influence in your communities, even as Jesus prayed for God to protect you as you're sent out into the world, isn't it? I always make it a point. I know my, my social media followers, they are non-Christians, but I don't care. I put up whatever, you know, that is uh, talking about God. Uh, over the uh, last couple of nights before, we have a, a, attended a Zoom uh, class, counseling, trauma. And this, this lecturer, she is a Christian, and she takes every opportunity to just put up a Bible verse, knowing that even if there are attendees who are not Christians, and she talk about God and all stuff, stuff, things, things like that. And uh, that's about giving a positive influence. Remember being about salt and light? Again, John Stott, he talked about huh? the power of being salt and light, the power of influence. He says, just like salt in putrefying meat or rotting meat, huh? Christians are to hinder social decay. Don't add to the decay. Hinder the decay. Yeah? Like light in the prevailing darkness, Christians are to illumine society and show it a better way. Honestly, if you ask me, is society heading in the right way? Absolutely no. It's heading in the wrong way. But what are Christians to do? Show them the better way. Amen. And we talk about social psychologists, they say that, they talk about this, what they call minority influence. What's a minority influence? It's basically saying a small percentage is all that it needs to make a major influence on the larger group. Uh, and basically, you don't, have, you don't need social psychologists to tell you that. Why? Because Jesus himself, together with just 12 they transformed the whole world. They rocked the world, transformed it, and changed it to what it is today. 
minority influence. Don't, don't think that we are small. Don't think that in your community, there's only a few of you who are Christians. Yeah, everywhere we go, normally, you'll be a, we will be a minority influence. We'll be in a minority, right? Uh, being Chinese or Indian is already a minority. What more as Christians, even more minority. But there's such a thing as minority influence. Yeah? And so sometimes we have lost the idea of this influencing the world around us. So instead of being uh, influencing, we have allowed the world to influence us. So we need to get back. We need to reverse that process. So what's your influence? And um, this person, his TM Moore, he said this. And this is good for you. No, so no matter what your job or whatever your work might be, God intends that you should devote your labors to something greater. Greater than personal interests, economic prosperity, or social good alone. God intends your work to continue, contribute to the restoration of the creation and the people in it. To raising life on this blue planet to higher states of beauty, goodness, and truth, reflecting the glory of God in our midst. Powerful statement, yeah? Whether you are still working or not, whether you are studying or not, it's obviously saying whatever you do, whatever you do, restore back the creation. Restore back the creation. So watch your influence. Thirdly, watch and pray. Watch and pray. And I beg you, don't dismiss this. Don't discount this. The Christian's duty towards our communities and our leaders is to pray for them. Apostle uh, Paul wrote in, uh, Timothy, to Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 to 2, it says, I urge you then, first of all, petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and for all those in the authority, that we may live in peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Watch and pray. We can never do anything without the help of prayer. So we are to be like the watchmen over our communities. You are in a community, you know what is happening, especially something that's not right, that is not good. So pray. Pray for your community. Turn it around with your prayers. Serve your community that way. You are like watchmen over your community, communities, raising up spiritual watchtowers all over the place where you are. See yourself in that role. Not only this is not a role that's only reserved for intercessors or those called to be prayer warriors. No. You are to be the spiritual watchtowers. Remember, the work of reaching out to the community is not a physical work, not just a physical work. It's very much a spiritual work because there are a lot of spiritual warfare to counter it. Right? So, Therefore, always be in the posture of watching and praying over your communities. Amen? And lastly, wait on tables. Yep. Serve your community. Serve your community. 
what can you do? What can I do? You know, you ask, what can I do for my community? Not about what can the community do for me, but what can I do for my community? Be ready to serve your community. Community, just as in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, Jesus came what? To be served? Did Jesus come to be served? No, he came to serve. So Jesus is our example. Serve instead of being served. What does your community need? Try to meet that need. Basically, in the sense that we talk about huh, counseling, the community needs counseling, needs help. You know, talking about, I'm hearing things like, you know, oh, wow, the counselors, those very senior ones, they're charging something like, you know, 800, 1,000 per hour. It's just shock to me, the kind of thing. Huh? Of course, you tell me, oh, wow, there's a lot of good money to do. To <laughs> if I chose to, but that's not my calling. So if those don't have the money, we are going to get help. There's the need of the community. And so we are here to meet that need. Know the need, meet that need. Right? So know the need of your community, meet that need. And we thank God, you know, as I said, all the, this church has all these community initiatives you know, for reaching out. And so all this, don't, don't step back and look, okay, all these people we are doing, but avail yourself. Step forward to serve your community. And there are many tables for you to serve on. Amen? All right, I'm going to close with this story. You'll show the slide of this person. Joseph Chen. Anyone heard of him? One couple. Let me tell you the story. Yeah. Uh, he's a missionary from Singapore. I think the worshiping can come forward. Um, he's in, he's, uh, yeah, he's a Singaporean. He said this, let me show you his story. He said, the first time I did my O-levels, I failed. And, and com I attempted suicide. Because in the, in the midst of all the lostness during a year of repeating, then I met a classmate who taught me every bad thing that I ever learned. <laughs> Talk about influence, huh? And after my second attempt at all levels, which I also failed, we went of different ways. And through a divine situation, two years later, at the age of 18, he bumped into me on the street. And this classmate has given his life to Christ. And he felt so guilty that he had taught me all the bad things <laughs> he had learned in life that he had prayed to God about me. This is Joseph speaking, huh? And so that very day, he brought me to a Christian meeting, and that was how I became a Christian. And this guy, cut the long story short, he went on not only to be a Christian, but he went on to become the National Director of Youth with a Mission Singapore. He went, he would, before that, he was a youth pastor, then he became a, a chaplain's assistant in the St. Andrew's School, 
Then he became a missionary, and then he became a national director of Youth with a Mission Singapore. Now, I'm telling this story not because of him, but because of someone else that came into his life. Not that friend, but it's related to that friend. Now, because he was in a very difficult place in his own family, that home was not a place that he should go back to. Okay? So my classmate, he said, my classmate then brought me back to his home where I met Mr. and Mrs. Wee. Now, the Wees live in a three-room flat in Topayo, Singapore, with three sons. And after hearing my story, Mrs. Wee said to me, come and be with me, with, with us. Come and eat with us. So he did. He stayed with them for three years. Now, they were not a wealthy family, he said, but they opened up my home, their home, and let me live with them. People slept on the floor if they have to, whenever there was a space. The food we ate was very simple. They cooked whatever they had. And we opened up another can of luncheon meat, just so that everybody could have something to eat. Then every night after dinner, Mr. Wee would take up his song books. During that time was uh, songs of praise, songs of the kingdom. Some of you may remember, huh? And he would sing from number one to number 200. <laughs> and all of us would just sit down and sing with him. There was food, fellowship, singing, conversation. But more importantly, there were lots of love. And as a result of living with them for three years, I changed. Joseph said, huh? I changed. My whole life was so transformed. And all that Mr. and Mrs. Wee did was to create the room and the space for me to be part of the family. They had no idea that this young boy would one day become the National Director of Youth with a Mission and have an impact in many nations. All because they were willing to open their doors to me and accept me and be willing to meet, show me what it means to be family. Church, why am I telling you this story? It's not about Joseph Chen, actually. It's about Mr. and Mrs. Wee. It's about the, this couple that just opened up their lives, their hearts, to someone and the impact that they made transformed this man to become the National Director of Youth with a Mission. Unfortunately, he just passed away in an accident in Istanbul, I think. Turkey, Turkey, yeah. You know, when I, see, when I hear people like this, such a great man of God dying at their age, I often ask God, God, why? <laughs> doesn't make sense for me you know for such a you he could have been much more greater use here on earth but God has his plans and I believe that his death his passing away will create a greater impact greater impact but coming back to Mr. and Mrs. Wee 
However, they did was open their community to some young men, bring the community and influence him and change them. Can you be the Mr. and Mrs. We? Can you be the Mr. and Mrs. We? All that you need is what? Simple food, simple place, and know how to sing from zero to 200. <laughs> and God is calling us to be connected in this church to reach the community. Would you do that? Come, would you stand to your feet?